So let's head over to text messages. Let's not forget that oil is made of compressed forests, so using dandelion plants is not a bad idea. This is for making tyres. Mm-hmm. Although uh, tyres are made from rubber trees is my understanding. But yeah, anyway, um, I wonder how many plants could be used. Um, hopefully all of the dandelion plants that there are, are in the world, and then we won't have to worry about them growing in our yard again. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm adding that in. Okay, going back to the text. Did you know that diamonds, which are supposed to take millions of years uh, to make naturally, are now done in a matter of hours? Well, it's quite a few hours, mm-hmm. but it is a matter of hours. Well, the original ones that were supposed to take millions of years were made in a matter of hours as well, just... Um, Many billions of hours. No, um, I did look this up, and to create a synthetic diamond at the moment, uh, current production rate is about two weeks to get it right through the full process to fully create a synthetic diamond. Yeah. It's amazing how expensive diamonds are when how common they are. You can just make them. You can just make them. Yes. And, and ne- they were never rare to begin with. Well, isn't there that, yeah, that conspiracy theory that the diamond company has just made? It's not a conspiracy theory, but it is a conspiracy theory where it's just like, Diamond companies just made it seem as though diamonds were rare so that they could jack the price up. Yeah, and it's interesting too because, you know, the diamond wedding ring, you know, never used to, not the engagement ring never used to be a thing until diamond companies were looking for a market for diamonds. Mm -hmm. Like, how are we going to sell diamonds? Like, well, let's attach it to emotion and there your problem is solved. And so now you've, you know, you're a terrible person if you don't buy your fiance a diamond wedding ring and, you know, Never used to be the case. Yeah, wow. And, of course, you can spend a lot of money on those things. <laughs> yeah, you would know. Okay, somebody questioning the drag queen family show, simply stating, stating, excuse me, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the last days. Well, if you want to know about the days of Lot, then simply go to your Bible, look up the word Lot, and you will have the story right there. Um, in relationship to the Reformation, the greatest book on the subject matter to read is The Great Controversy. And that is, we give that away from time to time yeah. here on The Breakfast Show, The Great Controversy. It is probably the best book ever written on the subject of the Great Reformation of the 16th, 16th century. I uh, oh, did the, the, the chapter on Jerome and Huss yes. makes me cry. Yes. I, I, the, first time, so the first time I ever like went through the book, I was listening to it as an audio Bible. I don't find myself crying usually when I'm reading. Sometimes I do. Um but, and I don't, I don't cry a lot. Maybe maybe this quiz is about me. <laughs> no, um, I don't cry. <laughs> no, but yeah, dude, listening to that story, um, yeah, about Jerome and us and what they gave for you know for God's message and for stop handing me tissues, <laughs> while, please. <laughs> yeah, no, it's incredible. Like, there's it an is. incredible, amazing book. Everyone should read it. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, further note here says you can download it and listen to it. Uh, what a blessing. As for the popes, they thrive on a crisis. As for they make them a resolve for their purposes. Uh, yeah, that was a bit messed up. But anyway, out of chaos will the new world order be established. Okay, last one here, second last one. The Bible tells us that in the last days, there's another text message coming through, that in the last days the word of God will be taken away and people will cross the world to find it but will not. Uh, at that time, the Holy Spirit has been removed from the world. As we just heard, it will also literally be taken away. Don't take for granted that here in Australia, we'll always have that freedom. Read and seek the truth while you can. That's a fact right there. Religious liberty is mm. disappearing in Australia. It is slipping away through our fingertips. 
we need to protect it while we can and also recognize that, yes, the Bible says it will disappear. Yeah, 100%. Um, and finally, when we take religious freedom from one, you take it from all. And I think mm. that's a very, very good comment. Uh, we were talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses in Russia and the Uyghur Muslims in uh, China, both of which are groups that we have theological differences with. But why should we feel good? Why should we feel glad when they are persecuted? Because the precedent that persecutes them will persecute us. Mm. It's getting to the point, interestingly, as you mentioned, China. I know uh, a few people who've been there as missionaries, and it really is getting to this very Waldensian-esque kind of era in the so. terms of ministry there where they have to memorize the Bible. Yes. Like as the Waldensians did, or they carried, <coughs> you know, uh, the amazing stories from uh, the Reformation and all uh, that that whole era where they, they were traveling as missionaries with like pages of the Bible in their coat and memorizing the Bible so that they could share. It's like getting to that point It was stitched in into the lining of their clothes. Yeah. That's pretty wild stuff. Yeah, so that like no so one could find, yeah. Is very much like getting that in China right now, and we're going to see some of those tactics coming back in. Yeah, holy moly. This is wild. It is wild. We live wild. in a wild world. Yes. You know what and that means? It'd be interesting to see Australia heading the same direction. The Bible says that that will be the case. This pretty much means like we're in the position where we have to read the Bible. Like we need to. We need to this read is the like Bible. One of our we need to memorize the Bible ourselves because mm. when the time comes when it becomes harder to do so, well, if you don't start now, then you're going to be. Scratching to catch up. Yeah, well. Amazing stuff. Whew. Okay, so let's go to our first Bible passage to read. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. If you could read that one for us, please. Also, I uh, want to let everyone know that I got the answer to the quiz. Ah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> it's got four people for bragging rights right now. No, that's seven. Oh, se- seven yeah, for man. bragging rights. People know this one, but we yes. need someone. We need someone well who's done. eligible for the prize. Okay. So get or, in, guys. Yeah, or, or once it. Some people just like to answer for bragging rights. Yeah. Be a part of the show. But we, we like that please. too. We, we like that a lot. Mm-hmm. We just love it. You're, we love your participation. We love it when you give us a call or send us a text message. Um, and we can share it here on The Breakfast Show. That's the thing. If you're sitting there, if you're hearing it, you're itching for the prize and you're like, oh, but I don't know who it is yet. And today's one is, you know, not particularly easy. It's not super duper duper difficult it's not it's not incredibly subversive but it's not it's not an easy one and so if you're sitting there and you're like man i want this prize but i don't know who it is yet you can do a couple things firstly you can keep listening to the show because the quiz gets easier secondly then you can you can jump online and you know type some of the clues in jump in you know on your bible app and 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 really research and find oh dude who wept who didn't you know my my uh my parents like whose parents didn't like my wives and all, this, all these kinds of things. So please get in and win this book. Make an effort. It's going to be amazing. All right, Lyle, Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, the fifth book of the Bible. Let's turn there and read it. Man, these pages are so big. All right, Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9, the Bible says this, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Okay, so we've got we're going to talk about the uh, election of Israel this week. Oh wow. Oh. This is going to be interesting. Deep, especially what's going on in the world right now. Yes. Ooh. Particularly what's going on in Israel right now. Uh-huh. I don't know about your social media feed, but mine has 
people arguing this one from both sides. 100%, yep. And I find some people, you know, arguing, to be honest, I don't agree with either of them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the Palestinians, don't go and poke a stick in the eye of Israel because you're going to get smashed. Mm -hmm. You've done this a million times before. You've never learnt. You're never going to win this battle. It's not going to happen. Uh, Israel has the backing of the United States. You are Gaza. Yeah, well. Don't go and try, try and take on the US. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. On the other hand, I see this kind of blind loyalty to the state of Israel from Christians that puzzles me. Mm. Shouldn't we be supporting the Christians? Yeah, well. The Christians are in Gaza. Mm. The media only ever promotes that they are Muslims. Half of them are Christians. Yeah, well. And if you're going to support your tribe, then shouldn't you support your tribe? Yeah. And as well, like, as as I guess a lot of people are pointing out is that, you know, because the, 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 um, the, the squabble over who's, you know, the original owners of the land and da 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 but ultimately, like, the tactics that we're seeing that is, is winning the land from the Israeli side of pretty, you know, bombings and airstrikes and just terrible yeah. stuff. Like, no one wants to see this happen. And particularly, like, because the situation is, like, whether they own the land War or not, is stupid. War is always they're, stupid. They're an invading force, and, and this is just causing death and sadness and tragedy. And The thing that yeah. disturbs me the most, and so I guess we've all come to the realisation that there's always going to be war and political conflict in the world, and, mm. you know, war is never smart. It's always stupid. Mm-hmm. And war is never just, and war is never, you know, legal. Ever. Uh-huh. Um, and war is always involves atrocities. Yes. That's just, you know, you can you can study the history of any war and it def- and it, all wars just descend into atrocities. And, you know, people of all different backgrounds get involved in them, some more than others. I will definitely accept that. There is uh, some really amazing research out on that. But... It's just it's just horrid and it's stupid and it's like why are we going there and why are we doing this? The thing that disturbs me the most is that Christians are supporting the state of Israel based on theology. Mm. Now, if we have our political differences, fine, we have our political differences, whatever. But when you use the Bible and when you use the theology to say we can do this, that's a terrible idea. Mm. That's a really, really terrible idea, particularly when the Bible doesn't support it. Mm. I mean, who was there first anyway? I mean, how far back do you want to go? Seriously, we're going to have that discussion? We're going to, we're really going to go there? I mean, Abraham and the Philistines were co-inhabiting the land of Palestine back in the time of Abraham. Yeah, well. Are you really going to try and figure out whether the Philistines got there before or after Abraham? Yeah, well. I mean, come on, guys. And th- this is... Thousands and thousands of years ago, it has relevancy today. Why? Yeah. Mm. It just doesn't. You know, there comes a point, I think, after uh, a couple of generations where you just need to move past all of that who was here first and you need to deal with who is here now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you need to make it work with who is here now rather than who is here first. Mm. Okay. Uh, Because the reality is, while we might like to, we cannot wind back history. Mm. That's an impossibility. Did we read our Bible verse yet? Yeah, we did read it. 
Yes. Okay. So, um, know therefore that the Lord your God is faithful, keeping his covenant uh, of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. And so the question that comes up is, you know, what does Israel's election actually mean? Mm. You know, the Bible says God comes along and says, you know, I will keep my covenant with you for a thousand generations. That's a lot of generations. Yeah. And when we understand what their election means, then how does that parallel our election? Mm. So they were picked. What does that mean for us in that how are we picked? And what does it look like to be picked? Because that word elected too uh, causes a lot of contention yes. within theological circles as to what that actually means to be elected. Yes, you know. So if you look at it from the position of Jewish tradition, uh, is not that different from a lot of evangelical positions, mm-hmm. um, which Jew- Jewish tradition thought that the covenant that God made the covenant with Israel only because other nations rejected it first. Ooh. Now you don't find that in the Bible. You don't. That's actually a really interesting point. Like, as in, because it's not found in the Bible. I'm so like, why did God make the covenant with Israel? Why did he make it with Abraham instead of Melchizedek? Mm. Why did God make the covenant with Abraham instead of the ancestors of Balaam? Mm. Why did God make the covenant with Abraham instead of the founders of China? Yeah, well. Because they were believers in God. We have the records of that very, very clearly. Um, why did he choose this particular? Why did he choose Abraham and this particular nation? Now, was there were there other nations that could have been chosen, and were not because of their separation from God? Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, would God need to waste his time going to each nation and saying like, "Oh, do you want to do this?" and for them to literally reject them? That's my thought. Okay, but there is precedent for that where God has gone to one and that one has said, no, I won't follow your your, your calling, and so he goes to another, and that one says, no, I'm not going to yeah. follow your calling. So he goes to a third, ends up with the weakest of the weak, and that one says, yeah, I'll do it. Mm, but we have that recorded. We do. We have the record of that. We don't have the record of other nations rejecting the calling first. Mm. And here's another interesting thought. Okay, so let's let's, let's think about this. Um, okay, Abraham. Yes, he goes with Abraham rather than, say, for instance, Melchizedek. He could have mm-hmm. built his great nation around Melchizedek. Melchizedek was already living there. Didn't have, it didn't even have to move. Yeah, wow. Um, but then Abraham's descendants, they go into idolatry. So why doesn't God move on to somebody who is still serving him? Why doesn't God use Job? Mm. Job has a big family. Mm. Why not use Job? Build a great nation out of Job. You know, we could all be Jobites. Yeah, <laughs> Jobites. Instead of Israelites. Mm. Uh, that would be, um, yeah, that would be kind of interesting. And so why? And when they go in, when the Israelites go into idolatry, then why not? Why, why stick with them? Mm. And this is a really interesting one. Why did God stick with the Israelites when they went into idolatry? Mm. You know, because God does reach the point where he's like, okay, Moses, separate yourself from these people because I'm going to start over and I'm going to make from you a great nation and I'm going to get rid of this one. Yeah, wow. 
and Moses steps in and intercedes. Yeah, wow. So we've got some really interesting questions that we've got to answer as we work our way through this aspect of the covenant. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to give us a call or send us a text message, and I want you to share with us your answer to these questions. Why choose Israel? Why choose Abraham when there were other candidates that you know could have fitted the bill quite well? And then why stick with them? Why stick with Israel when Israel goes into idolatry? Does that mean that God will stick with Israel right through from that day to this, regardless of whether they serve him or not? Is God more interested? Here's the question. Is God more interested in our morality or in our DNA? Mm. Does God stick with some people simply because they carry? And how much DNA, you know, how much Hebrew DNA do you need to carry to qualify? The other interesting thing is that the Bible does give us the idea that God leaves the Israelites. Like whether, you know, and and I'm specifically referencing here um, Daniel chapter 9. Now, Daniel chapter 9 is a prophecy all about, um, you know, we apply it to Christ. And we and and at the end of that chapter is you know seventy weeks are cut off for for my people Israel and at the end the point is is that God rejects them finally yes like God that's right they're cut off yes now whether you apply that prophecy as we do to Christ or not like whether you're a Jew looking at that it still makes the point that at some point the Jews will be cut off absolutely. Like, no matter where and you Jesus apply Jesus states it very, very plainly in the parable of the vineyard. We've read that a couple of times recently. Mm. states it very plainly and says, look, the promises will be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. So the reality is, is that God does cut off. But, you know, I, I guess the, the looming question is, like, why didn't he? Why didn't he at this point? Like, what made God persist for so long? Yes. Because he does cut off. He makes it like so clear. Ooh. He gives everyone times of probation. He gives it. In fact, you know, we're, we're living in a time of probation. Like, you know, but why, why didn't God cut off earlier? And how does that then apply to us? Mm. What does that mean for you and I? Yeah. Well. These are questions we need the answers for and we need your help. So do give us a call or shoot us a message. 1-800-324-843. Make sure you save that number in your phone or text us on 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lyle, we're continuing our Bible study here. Yes. So mm-hmm. somebody texted through, if a Jewish person accepts Christianity, they are excommunicated as are Muslims. The Jews and the Muslims reject Jesus Christ as God. So on what basis? Now, I guess I think we should clarify there is a difference between Muslims and Jews on this one because Jews reject Jesus Christ as being anything, uh, whereas uh, Muslims do accept Jesus Christ but not as uh, the Son of God in the way that we do. And, you know, they believe in the second coming of Jesus and so forth. Um, Whereas with Jews, you've got total rejection. Um, And so on. on what basis do the evangelicals uh, protect the Jewish nation. Well, there are a, they, they protect the Jewish nation, and, and the answer is based on this concept of election that we've been talking about. Mm. And if you believe that they're elected, and if you believe that that election is not conditional, it's unconditional election, then it makes sense. Mm. And what you see is the foreign policy of many nations, particularly the United States, which is incredibly powerful, being driven by theology. Yeah, well. 
which is which is a little bit scary. Um, what makes us Christians is the belief that is that that Jesus is God uh, with us, our Savior. And so, yeah, highlighting some of the theological differences right there. Okay, so let's go back to our Bible study, Exodus chapter nineteen and verse six. We mentioned this last week. We're going to mention again. Then we're going to look at a couple of other verses in relationship to election. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 6, the Bible says this, And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Really? Yeah. That's what your translation says. Yeah, do you want me to read it again? 19 and verse 6, you will be my kingdom of priests. Let me find it. Be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Okay, all right. I'm flicking over there right now. (laughs) Contention. I am am heading there right now. Let me read it to you. It's it's not my favorite translation either, but stop bagging on it. All right. Oh, you know what? Read. Come on, read it then. It's verse 5 that has the context I was looking for. Ah, okay. All right, let's read from verse 5 then. But if you read verse 6 on its own, then you very, very much have election right there. Mm -hmm. And it's unconditional. Mm. So if you read verse 6, you know, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Read that on its own. You've got unconditional election Mm -hmm. or unconditional choice by God. Yeah, well. You have basically God has created a nation so that he can save them. Mm-hmm. Give us verse uh, Verse 5 here. The Bible says, Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all peoples on the earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Thank you. So that's the question. That's the the, the passage that I was looking for because it contains the word if. Mm. And whenever you throw the word if in, it goes from being unconditional to conditional. Yes. Just one two-letter word right there. Okay. Now let's let's think about the um, the idea of election with, with in relationship to Israel and ask ourselves the question, when they were chosen, mm-hmm. elected, mm-hmm. picked, whatever you want to call it, were they chosen to be saved while everyone else was chosen to be lost? Or were they chosen to be vehicles through which Jesus would offer salvation to everyone. Yeah. Now you find the answer to that question in verse 6. Yes. The Bible says you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Mm. Okay, you don't need to have a kingdom of priests if you were just there for yourself. Yeah, wow. The purpose of being a kingdom of priests is is to be there for the world. Mm. And so the whole concept behind the nation of Israel was that they were to be there for the world. They were to be a witness for the world. And there was nothing exclusive about salvation or the Jewish people whatsoever at all. They were just chosen to, chosen and geographically be placed to be missionaries to the whole world. You know, it's so it's so interesting about that. It's because there there are you know Christians who use the word election in the context of pre you know, predestination as well. And the whole idea is that election in Israel's election and further our election is all determined by God and that we have no say and we're elected and he chooses us and there is no freedom of choice and all these different things. So so, So if you're going to take that view, here's your challenge. You have God who has created some people 
to be saved mm-hmm. because each one of us is the individual personal creation of God. Mm-hmm. So God individually and personally creates people to be saved. Mm-hmm. Or God has individually, or sorry, and at the same time, God has individually created people, used his creative power to bring into existence human beings for no other reason other than that he wants to burn them forever. And it's so interesting the the ways that they justify that because we're saying it out loud here and it's like that is so ridiculous how could a god of love do that like that, that's god i don't want to have anything to do with him 100 percent. but the the thing that they're defending that with that is the sovereignty of god right yes. is that they make this point that oh god's always in control sovereignty of god but then at the same time it's like look at the fruits that that's created the idea of predestination like when we one of my favorite ones to pick out is i think like in my opinion, and and also, you know, the, the history shows this too, like the African slave trade and furthermore, like slavery that happened here in Australia from a theological spec perspective yes. was yes. aided by the belief of predestination. Yes. Because they saw, you know, at, you know, you come to Australia, you see some Aboriginals like climbing a tree and like, it's like, oh, they don't know God. They must have been chosen to be lost. Let's enslave them. Oh, and I think I should enslave them. Well, that thought was probably given to me by God because he's in control. Like it is the, uh, it is the most evil doctrine. Honestly, like it really, it really gets to me. It is something that I see and I hear about in theological circles. And I'm like, this just can't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It does not vindicate the character of God. At the same time, I've got to recognize that I'm a person and, you know, my viewpoint of what's right and what's wrong, I, I, I'm not 100%, but at the same time, I can read the words of the Bible and I can see the kind of love that Jesus had for people who weren't part of the election. You know, you read about the, the Samaritans, the Syrophoenician women, everyone around them was preaching that these people aren't elected. These people were left out of God's promises, and it was Jesus himself who went and included those people. You know, you then ask, what's the point of evangelism? What's the point of anything, of reaching people like God has called us to if we're all just pre-elected? And I think I might have taken our Bible study on the church here. I know that we're right, we've quickly run out of time, but essentially, man, God is so much better than that, and praise the Lord for it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's go to question of the day. All right. So our question of the day is, uh, did God not set up a model nation where he would showcase his love and goodness to mankind? God set up a covenant forever. So even when Israel strayed, he remains faithful to his word. Same with us as he remains faithful. So when he returns, it will be final to Jews and Muslims uh, that Jesus is Lord. Maybe. Uh, Tim writes that in. What do you think, Lyle? Okay, so here's a, this is an interesting question that has been raised right here. And I think one of the issues is that we need to be careful that we do not confuse the difference between election and uh, and patience. And so, yes, God makes a covenant with his people, and God says, I will keep my covenant, and in that covenant they are to be God's chosen people forever. 
But when God makes that covenant, he places an if in that covenant. Now, many people look at that covenant and they say, well, you know, we've got all of these examples down through history where God's people have walked away from God and then come back and they've left God and come back and God is always drawing them back, drawing them, drawing them back again and again and again. And surely if the if was a real thing, if it was conditional, then God would have given up on them, you know, the first time that they left him or maybe the tenth or maybe the four hundredth time that they left him and wandered off into idolatry. But the reality is what we're looking at here is not an unconditional covenant. We are looking at God's patience and God's love and his forbearance as the Bible uses, you know, that old English term forbearance in some translations where God is patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Mm. And so if we look at the biblical model, we find that as God was patient with the children of Israel, he is also patient with us. And that's really important for us to understand because God doesn't reject us the first time that we walk away from God, neither did he reject Israel the first time they walked away from Israel. However, is it possible for us to walk away from God to the point that we cut ourselves off from God? And the answer to that is very, very clearly yes. You know, the Bible speaks about the unpardonable sin. And the Bible speaks about that sin in relationship to Christians who commit that sin. The Bible speaks, for instance, about the ten virgins. And you've got to remember that, you know, you look at the ten virgins. Uh, They all have oil. They all have the Holy Spirit. They all have lamps. The Bible, the Word of God. They are filled with, they are spirit-filled Christians who know their Bibles inside out back to front and upside down. They all want to be saved. They all go out to meet the bridegroom. They're expecting Jesus to come back. They've recognized the signs of Jesus' return. They have been shedding light on the world. They have been evangelistic in their efforts. And yet half of them are lost. This is not because, you know, God broke his covenant. This is because they moved away from God and they chose not to serve God any longer. And that's the difference. And so when you find Israel, Israel is just like a big object lesson of us. Sometimes we're walking with God and sometimes we fall away and need to ask forgiveness and come back. And God does not reject us and write us off until... We have so far separated ourselves from God that we can't come back and that it is an impossibility. That's the difference between election and patience. Election says that once you choose God, God forever removes your power of choice and you can never, ever, ever choose to be lost. No matter how badly you might not want to be in heaven, your power of choice is over. God will never take away our power of choice. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.